from the Teradata Pulse Real-Time Operations Center in San Diego, California. This is Datacast. My name is Mark Clark. I am Director of Global Field Enablement. I am passionate about cloud. I've been doing cloud for nearly a decade. And anybody wants to follow me, they can follow me at uh, Big Data MC on Twitter and, of course, LinkedIn as well. Uh, so you've been into cloud for a long time. Yes. And if I can be frank, I think this cloud stuff is going to catch on. You know what? It might. I'm thinking there's, a, there's, some, there's some there there. Tell me about what, what you kind of do day to day in regards to the cloud. Well, day-to-day, again, what I'm always learning, the cloud is always changing what people are doing. So I'm constantly learning and understanding and making sure that I've got my finger on the pulse of what's going on with cloud. And specifically, because, of course, I work for Teradata, uh, cloud and analytics, because that's a different animal. And I think we're going to talk a little bit about that as we talk about use cases and, and that type of thing. But on a day-to-day basis, I'm doing that. I'm putting together uh, white papers and uh, material and assets to help our salespeople communicate with their customers, to uh, to work with marketing, to help them understand some of the nuances and things that are going on with cloud so that they can incorporate that in some of the great things that they're putting out there. So that's what I'm kind of doing on a day-to-day basis. I imagine that when we talk to customers, a lot of them are sort of uh, still evaluating uh, the cloud for their needs, especially because the people that we tend to talk to are the people kind of at the top echelon of of data and analytics. You know, Charles, you're spot on. Cloud's been around. Now, there'll be arguments about, you know, some people talk about shared computing and going back 20 years or things like that. But really, let's put the the, the marker in the sand of cloud when, when AWS launched S3, which is about 11 years ago or so. And, you know, then EC2 was launched a little bit after that. And so with cloud being around for so long, you would think that you know it just everybody's using it, right? I mean, duh, it's not the case, it's especially with analytics. And, and to your point, part of the issue is the size and the scale at which analytics happens. You know, I often make you know a, it's a bad joke, but I make a joke. How do you move a petabyte of data to the cloud? You don't. Why on earth would you want to move a petabyte <laughs> of data anywhere, right? Um, you know, moving that around in a, in a data center over a, a, lo- a local area network, a LAN versus a WAN, uh, is a lot different. And so, yeah, we definitely see a lot of customers, especially you know these large customers with you know hundreds of terabytes of data, sometimes petabytes of data. You know, they're like, yeah. Cloud, okay, maybe, but you know, a lot of times they're thinking about production and those types of things. And you know, one of the things I think we want to talk about today is what are the right use cases? It doesn't mean you can't do other things, but sort of what's the sweet spot for doing analytics in the cloud today and, and then maybe where we're going to see it going in the future. How do companies dip their toe in the water with cloud? You know, the, the folks that we work with, right. what's their first kind of thing that they do? Well, let's talk a little bit about the first thing that they're doing, but then let's talk about what they should be doing because sometimes it's different. It's really interesting because a lot of times people, when they when they finally decide cloud, they get religion on it. Uh, I was just talking to an account team yesterday who has an account that's in the medical field who for literally years now has said, no cloud, no cloud, no cloud, no cloud. All of a sudden, a few weeks ago, maybe a month or so ago, they got a new CIO. Okay. And they didn't just do sort of a slight, you know, 10-degree turn. <laughs> they did a 180 turn. They're all to, in. All in, baby. We are cloud. <laughs> Woo. And, and I mean, and, and you go, okay, okay. Yeah, take, take a breath. Let's take a breath. <laughs> right? And, and that's the interesting thing uh, that I find is uh, so often it's, it's unfortunately sometimes it's like sometimes politics. It's it's either all the way to the left or all the way to the right. And it's like you know reality really should sort of sit in the middle, yeah. right? And so 
The top things that I feel people should be doing in the cloud with analytics is, you know, to me, all data science should be happening in the cloud. Yeah, maybe you have a, you know, a server under your desk or maybe you have access to you know, a couple of VMs in, in a data center. But when you think about the public cloud, whether it's AWS, Azure, Google, Oracle, any of these ones that are publicly accessible, you know, the tools that are at the data scientist's fingertips are just amazing. And you know, data scientists that you know, need, need it, run it, do their models, it works or it doesn't. If it doesn't work, you know, tear it down. It supports sort of this ephemeral experimentation yes. model, like a yeah. on-premises solution would just would not. Well, exactly. And again, like I said, sometimes you know you have access to some spare compute somewhere, but with the cloud, you're always getting the latest versions of everything, right? You know, if you go to these public cloud providers, they're always putting the latest versions of the solutions, whether it's open source or whatever. So you're always going to be using the latest and greatest uh, versions and latest and greatest technologies at your fingertips, whether it's proprietary software or open source. And again, ephemeral. I mean, this is. I mean, it might seem just really obvious. But there's so many folks that are um, that are sort of missing that mark, and and it is a great place to get your toes into cloud, and you know, getting those data scientists using it, um, and and then moving into other areas uh, within the business for using cloud as well. So data science is really where you see the sweet spot. That's where you see kind of the people getting introduced to what the cloud can do for them. That yeah, that and anything ephemeral, you know, uh, anything that you don't know is going to be there. A new, even if it's. Maybe it's not quite prod, but you know, test, dev, QA, things that are new, things that are not proven yet. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the first thing I wouldn't do is put my production in the cloud. We've okay. had we've had some customers who, <laughs> yeah, again, they go full boat. And again, we've got lots of happy customers who are doing production analytics uh, in the cloud with Teradata today. So it's not that it can't be done, right? But uh, you, you, it's just a big leap. You know, it's the difference between maybe you know starting your trip off road versus starting your trip on a paved mm-hmm. pathway, uh-huh. right? <laughs> so when you think about test dev QA, uh, the ability in the cloud to turn all that a lot. Most people don't use test dev QA all the time, but on premises you usually have a box. You've bought it. You've got the software. You bought the software, and whether you use it or not, it's there. And again, some of these are going to be duh moments for a lot of folks who have done other things in the cloud, right? But for a lot of people that are in analytics, you know, some of these things aren't duh moments. And I, I just want to make sure that they really get the fact that you know, test dev QA. Why on earth aren't you doing that again? Latest and greatest version. You know, um, you're going to be able to test the latest and greatest features from your from your vendors from open source and do your test, do your dev, and the ability in the cloud to turn that down or turn that off. You know, to be able to take and say, look, nobody nobody does test dev on the weekends. Let's turn it off. Oh, don't pay for it. Don't pay for the licensing. Don't pay for the compute. Right. I mean, you know, come on, guys. Let's 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 think about uh, uh, the use cases there. I have a saying. There's two sides to each coin, right? And so I truly believe that there are things in every single company, whether you're an employee of one or you're an employee of you know, 100,000, employer of 100,000, there are things that every company is doing that should be in the cloud. And I think that that also pertains to analytics. But the other side of that coin is not everything belongs in the cloud, right? When we think about, so we've talked a little bit about some of the sweet spots. Yes, data science, test, dev, QA. I mean, people have been doing those types of things in the cloud for years now for other applications. Why not analytics? I mean, let, let's get there, people, right, as an industry. By test dev QA, I assume that you, you are setting up multiple parallel systems to test these analytics before you deploy them to your production system. Yes, I mean, that's really the And that the seems spot. really typical in software development in, in general, but maybe not so much with data scientists? 
Well, not so much just as a data scientist. I think data science, yes. But now, you know, there's there's a multiple different areas, right? There's the data scientists who, in true data scientist world, are doing new and different and funky things, right? And then there's the test dev QA of, I don't know, Usually, data scientists might not be a part of this. This is like oh, really? okay. applications that are just you know you're making sure that you're they're ready for production. You're you're not experimenting per se. You're preparing these things or you have these things tested before you put them into production. So what you would do is I would see a, a, a chain of data science, right. right? They they do a bunch of stuff and maybe only one or two out of the ten experiments they do works to the point where they're like, okay, we we want this you know, um, put into production. Before you put that in production, you're going to put that into a test dev QA environment that, you know, usually IT runs to make sure that it's hardened and it's ready to go and ready to make the path to production. And is that where we get into DevOps and analytics ops folks? Yes, definitely. And then it moves into prod. Test dev QA is also going to be the place where you're going to test out the new versions of the different software, right? You know, an analytic ecosystem isn't just a data platform like an analytics platform like Teradata or or others. It's it's the you know the BI the complete ecosystem, complete ecosystem. And so you just really want to make sure that you know nothing breaks. Before you put it into production, because the last thing you want to do is upgrade from you know version X to version Y, and this is something that maybe helps run your business, and boom, and it's Bethany Accounting gets gives you a nasty call. Exactly, right? You know what did you do to uh, what did you do to my 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 monthly reports? I'm trying to close the books, right? So we definitely don't want that to happen. Okay, so that's a great place to start in the cloud. Yes. How about things like data warehousing? I mean, are folks putting archival data? there yet? I mean, is that one of the, I guess, earlier things that someone might do? You know, it's really interesting because especially companies that have a lot of data, there's this whole concept of, you know, price per terabyte. And and that's not a bad idea. And and then and Hadoop really sort of uh, ushered in this idea of, you know, one, it's open source, it's free. Yeah, right. Like, a, <laughs> like everybody found Quote out. Unquote, it's, yeah. yeah, it's free like a puppy's free, free right? Uh, give <laughs> free me, asterisk. Exactly. Um, but you know, that idea that, okay, it's it's cheap per, per terabyte. But then when you get into the actual platforms that analyze your data, you really shouldn't be looking at those as a per terabyte cost because it's it's more a per, per query. What does this cost me to query my data, to get value from my data? You know, raw storage or, you know, I don't want to use the word dumb, but I will. You know, dumb storage, um, like S3 or blob storage, you know, that's where people were starting to see more and more people, you know, put their data there when they have mass amounts of data. And we also talk about data gravity, you know, so a lot of the internet of things, machine learning, it's it's flowing up into the cloud because a lot of maybe these sensor uh, sensor applications, those types of things, they'll, they'll put them on AWS, Azure, Google, whatever. And so then that data is going to sit there. It's going to rest there. And so that's pulling data gravity into that area, right? And so... When you think about that, you say, okay, well, let's let's leave the data where it's at. Like I talked about before, who wants to move a petabyte of data? Now, not everybody has a petabyte of data, but even terabytes of data. You know, let it let's analyze it where it lives. And so you see, we're seeing a lot more people look at uh, you know native object store or object storage, like S3, blob storage, those types of things, and even on premise things like uh, you know uh, hardware uh, object store, where it's again it's cheap per terabyte storage. And then they're looking to say, okay, now what I want to be able to do is spin up some compute, reach into the, that, that data, and, and analyze it. Now, 
It's not quite as smooth and as easy as that is with all the different applications, but it's getting there. And so we really are starting to see a lot more of that where they're using that, you know, what we call a data lake, right? Or they're starting to use S3 and blob storage as their data lake and moving away from significantly and, and rapidly away from Hadoop is the data lake, wow. and really looking at this, you know, this object store as a data lake. Uh, and again, there's there's different ways to query that data and move that data. Uh, it's not just as simple as you know pushing an easy button, uh, but but it's getting there. So we'll see more and more uh, of that going on as and and we'll see it, you know, permeate more industries, more uh, verticals, those types of things. And you know, so we're already seeing that increase a lot. We've talked about uh, using using the cloud for dumb storage, as you put it mm -hmm. so eloquently. I think that's a great term, by the way, um, because it's not adding value until you do something with it. Exactly. And then we've talked about using it for data science, but what about the big P? What about moving the big production system to the cloud? Yeah, no, that's a great question. And I want to make this first you know, statement, uh, this first caveat is, what, preface what I'm about to say. This doesn't mean you can't. It doesn't mean that we don't see customers doing it. But... One, I, I don't want companies moving production to the cloud as they're first out of the gate. You know, we, we see some of that. And like I said, sometimes the road's bumpier than it needs to be. Ultimately, you get to, you know, to pavement um, and, it's, <laughs> and it's a smooth ride. But it's, it's you know. But you he, might skin your knee. You might skin your pavement. knee. Because one, a lot of the folks that we're dealing with in the, in the you know, data and analytics world, um, that's what they do. So they're they haven't moved web apps and email and like that's not what they've been involved with. So a lot of them don't actually have a lot of real cloud experience. Oh wow! So this may be their first cloud project. Exactly. Wow, that's a big project. So let's not make your first cloud project moving 10, 20, 30, 50, 100, two, three hundred terabytes of data right. to the cloud. And especially, you know, the key thing is. And a lot of people have talked about this and blogged about this, and um, but uh, data gravity, I, I can't emphasize it enough. I was talking to a customer a few months ago that was talking about moving their, their Teradata analytics platform to the cloud. And so we're going through the whole process. And I said, well, let's talk about where is the data coming from that's getting pulled into Teradata? And they said, they, they said oh, well, we have a 300-node Hadoop system data lake. on. <laughs> I'm like, okay, awesome. You're moving that to the cloud too then, right? No, no, no. That's going to remain on-premises. And I said, okay, so your source of data, right, a 300-node hundreds of terabytes of data system source system is still on premises you know in in Walla Walla Washington or wherever it was and yet you want to move the system that's going to analyze that data to the cloud see my job as a, a, a cloud shmi is to tell people just as much when they shouldn't use something in the cloud as when like they should and, and how to architect that and and I actually I told this account I said I have to be honest with you I mean I understand that you guys are starting to have cloud mandates and, and all that, and that's wonderful, but your data gravity is still on-premises and significantly on-premises. And now now you're talking about you know getting a WAN connection, 10 gig point-to-point, -point, that has a cost. It's not going to break the bank, but yeah, it's thousands of dollars a month, and you're going to be moving that data. Now, you know based on where you're at and the cloud you want to move to, there could be latency. So what it does is it just introduces... Uh, some complexities when your data gravity isn't in the cloud. Some complexities, some costs. 
Yes, additional cost. Some latency, which presumably affects... Uh, it can affect performance. You know, we've had one customer who was trying to move data all the way across from Virginia to uh, one of our Vegas uh, uh, cloud deployments and, you know, tried to bigger pipe and all that, but it literally, it was just the distance. It's just too and much. The, and the application and what they were trying to do had latency sensitivity. And so we had to come up with a different plan for them. We actually moved them into a, a, a cloud that was closer to them. So we, we were able to handle that that way. But yeah, data gravity is one of the biggest things. And if you're not going to move your data gravity to the cloud, then why analyze the data in the cloud? So you're saying you want to analyze the data where it lies, if at all possible. If at all possible. Now, we also introduce another thing. Again, I'm, I'm starting to get uh, lots of people concerned about uh, data egress from the cloud, right? So cloud. For, so basically, once my data is in the cloud, what if I want to pull the data out? Well, all the cloud providers charge you for that. It's a great business model. You know, it's free. It's free. I feel like it's kind of like the uh, Hotel California. You can check any time you want, but you can never leave. Uh, you can leave in the cloud, but it's going to cost you. Now, I will tell you, a lot of the cloud providers have made it, you know, relatively inexpensive unless you're moving literally hundreds and hundreds of terabytes. Mm. It isn't, it isn't going to break the bank. But again, it's another cost. So if you are making your data gravity to a cloud provider, just make sure you understand the ramifications of what if I move away from this cloud provider someday, right? Nobody wants vendor lock-in. We've been hearing that since, you know, we started our careers, however long that is ago, right? You know, no CIO, no IT person ever wants to be locked into a particular vendor. Well, you know, if all your data is going into a particular cloud provider and you're hooking more and more things into that, you are kind of, you know, locking yourself in there. And if you ever want to move away from that, you just need to understand what's your exit strategy before you enter. Uh, one of the appeals of cloud uh, seems to be cost, but it seems like since this is going to be the first cloud effort for a lot of uh, folks who are doing this, they may not have a complete picture of all the costs involved, things like egress. Right. A lot of times they don't. And the other thing I will say is one of the re reasons why we, you know, we, our first question here was talking about what are sort of the sweet spots or what's in the wheelhouse of cloud. And again, I don't think it's news. I don't think, you know, this isn't like uh, breaking news. Hey, you should do test dev. And, and we talked about data science. Mm -hmm. um, a lot of that is because that's what the cloud was built for it. You know, spin it up for several hours, several days, maybe a few weeks, and then tear it down. So don't go out and, and you know, go to your hardware vendor and buy servers and buy all the software and have all those OPEX costs when you don't have to for what you're trying to do. Okay. But... Yeah, and that's where you that's where you definitely can save money in the cloud. But also do the cost analysis completely. If you're going to move prod to the cloud, what is it going to cost you to have that thing m most likely always on? Depends on what you're doing, but specifically when we're talking about, you know, data warehousing or data analytics platforms that are running businesses. A lot of times, especially for multinationals, those things are on 24/7. If you go and you look at the cost at public clouds to run 24/7 365, I will tell you, it will not be cheaper than doing it on-premises. Gotcha. So it, it may enable you to be more agile when you're yes. rolling out uh, new programs, when you're doing right. data science, right. if you're trying out new things to solve business problems. But in the long run, it sounds like, I guess at, at best, you'd want to think about a hybrid cloud on-premises solution. Oh, the wonderful H word, hybrid cloud. <laughs> Again, it's it's... Sometimes terms begin to get overused. I don't think hybrid cloud is one of them because it truly is the wave of the future. As I've said before, 
Every company is doing something with analytics that should be in the cloud. But again, the other side of that coin is not everything belongs in the cloud today, right? And so what does that look like? It looks like hybrid. And you have to think through the hybrid uh, model and think about data gravity and data movement and those types of things. And so it has to be thoughtful. You know, there's, there's three main areas of cloud mentality in companies today. And there's probably nuances to this, but I can put them in three main buckets. There is the uh, cloud only, right? Cloud mandate, everything's got to go in the cloud. There's the cloud first. Let's look at cloud first and then tell me why it doesn't make sense to put in the cloud. And then there's the cloud maybe, you know? Um, yeah, sure, we could do cloud or not. We don't, we don't really care either way. I will tell you the ones, the folks that I like talking to the most are the ones that are the, in the middle, that cloud first. See, because what happens with the cloud mandate, we're putting everything in the cloud period into discussion. We end up with what I call Cinderella slipper syndrome. Okay. Now everybody knows the story of Cinderella, right? And if you uh -huh. watch the, the Disney cartoon version, uh, the, I think it's the Duke comes to the door, knocks on the door, and Cinderella runs downstairs. Uh, before that, this beautiful slipper, uh, you see these two you know, ugly stepsisters trying to shove their foot into the slipper, and they don't fit. Now, you see Cinderella come down. Boom, fits perfectly. There are things that fit in the cloud perfectly and make sense. And then there's times, so often, I see people like trying to put things like the ugly stepsister's foot into the slipper. And it just, it's not the right fit. And unfortunately, they don't find that out till later, right? They find that out later uh, when things fail or when costs are through the roof. Um, you know, my only point about, you know, always on production enterprise applications in the cloud most likely costing more isn't that you shouldn't do it. Mm -hmm. You should be doing it, though, for other reasons besides cost savings, right? Be other reasons besides bottom line cost savings. Maybe actually in the long run, it does save your company money or it makes you more agile, more flexible for adding to production environments, you know, spinning up for seasonality, those types of things that, that if you're on premises, you don't have that chance or the cost is so much because on premises, right, if you're going to spin up, if you're going to have seasonality and you're on premises, you have to build the church for Easter Sunday, right? If you're a flower, if you're, you know, uh, a flower, online flower shop, right, Mother's Day, Valentine's Day, Grandparents' Day, a few of those, you're going to have these spikes. If your stuff is on premises, those yeah. churches are empty most of the time. Yeah, most of the time, but then you get but you got it on premises, you got to have the you got to have the seats to fill them up. Yep. Right? In the cloud, you don't have to have those seats. Those seats somebody else is taking care of and it's like you can pull them in whenever you want. So, yes, that baseline production always on might not you know, it might be a little bit more expensive than it might be on premises, but it gives you that agility. So I'm not saying you shouldn't do it. What I'm just saying is don't do it for the wrong reason. And that would be, oh, hey, the cloud's going to save me a ton of money. Because then what's going to happen is your CFO is going to start getting the bills. <laughs> and he's going to go, you know, hey, Mark, what happened to this thing? I thought you said that this thing was going to be cheaper. Well, no, maybe it's not cheaper, but it still might be the right thing to do. So presumably uh, we have, I mean, our customers are, are sort of so close to us in the sense that, uh, we work with them uh, from the very earliest stages mm -hmm. of, of many projects that presumably you have gentle ways to kind of share uh, what we've learned with them. Right. And and note that not every project is a Cinderella project. Right. <laughs> yes, exactly. But it is interesting. We are close to our customers, and many of them do see us as advisors. Uh, but, 
you know, a lot of people come into situations with their own preconceived ideas. And, you know, the only thing that we can hope is that they, they trust us enough. We bring in subject matter experts. You know, again, I'm, I'm, I'm one for cloud, but we have other subject matter experts for, you know, analytics and other things. And so, you know, we really truly hope that we've built the trust and the relationship with the vast majority of our customers that they'll listen to us. Um, and sometimes we have those relationships at one level and the people above those levels are just, you know, no, we're, the ugly stepsister's uh-huh. foot is gonna fit. Gosh uh-huh. darn it! Come here, high water. I don't care what has to happen because that's the mandate. We will pay anything yes. to be buzzword compliant. Oh my gosh! You know, and it is so funny. Um, you would think that people would learn, uh-huh. but some haven't. Um, but that's why we do things like this. This you know, this podcast. I write blogs. Others write blogs, so that hopefully you know people can share this with some of their higher ups. Sometimes you know the C level folks they go to a conference. They hear those buzzwords, whether it's about cloud or about analytics or about the latest and greatest open source software that's going to be free and it's going to cure cancer. And you go, <laughs> and they come back and they have these mandates. And so, you know, the only thing that we can do as folks that want to infuse a little bit of um, sanity into sometimes what can just be this, you know, knee jerk, like I said, one minute we've got a customer who's no cloud, period, end of discussion, never, which by the way, I don't think is the right tactic either to all of a sudden 180 degree turn how about we turn 45 degrees first right like you know even 90 right you know let's let's do some small stuff let's, yeah. let's start you know and let's get our toe let's in the be water. successful with things that make you know the, the most exactly. sense exactly but but there's so many people out there that i feel are are pushing a narrative of if you're not in the cloud, if you're not doing this now, if you're not doing this or that, then your company's behind and you're not in the modern era and you're a dinosaur. And you know, well, we've and, seen cloud only companies yeah. that that push this narrative because they have to. You know, that's true. There's true. There, there are the, those that have to because that's all they have. They don't have another option. Right. And and that's where that whole hybrid idea comes in. And again, are, do you really want to take? You know, five hundred, a thousand terabytes of data, and move it in, move it from where it's at, move it from where the source data is up into the cloud, um, just because a CEO or a CIO or a CTO caught the buzzword and listened to you know somebody at a conference that said you know it's got to be there, and if you're not there, then you aren't a successful CIO. Right, or CTO. as if the cloud itself magically uh, imbued business value, which it which it doesn't. You know what? Charles, I got to tell you that is a that could be a topic in itself for another podcast. I actually talk a lot about uh, when I do presentations that the cloud isn't magic. The cloud is wonderful. The cloud is awesome, but it isn't magic. Sometimes you have to just kind of remind people, like the cloud is just computers. Well, it really is, right? It is. It's just it's just somebody else's computers, and and there's there's beauty in there with the automation that so many of these providers have done, and and some of the the the, uh, the DevOps benefits. Oh yeah, yeah. so so great. I, like I said, love the cloud. That's how I've been making you know my career for the last almost decade. Um, but I just it's interesting because I feel like it's. I have a responsibility just as much to tell people some of the battle wounds, some of the battle scars I've seen some companies make when they make bad cloud decisions. Well, it's a trust thing, too, because you've been doing this for so long, and the relationships that you have uh, demand honesty and trust. Right. So you, you have to share what you know. That's my point of view. Uh, I know that not everybody shares that. There's, you know, like I said, and then there's also people that have agendas. There's people who write blog posts. There's people who are trying to stay relevant. And as opposed to, uh, you know, being willing to stick their head out on a limb or 
uh, or take and look at what reality is in, in the real world. They want to continue to push a narrative that feeds their agenda, that bolsters their career, that bolsters their click rate. And that's not what I'm into. I'd rather have a lower click rate, um, but be honest and open to people and not always tell them exactly what they want to hear or what some other guy said at some conference, realizing, well, what's somebody's agenda, right? What what is What are they really trying to get out of that? What is... What are they trying to push? You know what? What's the uh, what's their drug of the day that they're trying to get you addicted to? Right. You know, and just always be cautious about that, um, because again, the cloud isn't magic. Uh, sometimes it can be pretty darn close to that. Yeah, yeah, I will tell you, there's some amazing and wonderful things, but it's not a silver bullet, and it isn't magic. And if you go into it with eyes wide open, with with some degree of calm and uh, consciousness, and you make sure that you're listening to experts. And I would say not just one expert. You know, This podcast, if you're listening to it, don't just take my word for it, right? Take, do some research on your own. Google some stuff. You know, uh, believe it or not, there are some companies that are starting to move away from public cloud. You guys, you can look up on Google, you can look up a Dropbox about a year and a half ago. They moved from being all up on AWS for the first about six or so years of their existence as a startup to about a year, year and a half ago, they're pulling a lot of that stuff back on premises. Well, why would they do that? I feel like it supports your thesis that yeah. the that it's great for experimentation. Mm -hmm. But when it comes time to operationalize a lot of those things, you might want to uh, bring some of that back on premises. Well, experimentation, or you're not sure, right? You think about you think about startups. I will tell you this: if you're a startup and you're listening to this, and you're not doing running your business on the cloud, stop immediately. Stop spending your angel or series, you know, A, B, C, or D funding on OpEx IT stuff. Right? Stop. Why aren't you doing that in the cloud? <laughs> now, you got to be cautious because at some point, as you're hopefully successful as a startup and you grow and you grow and you grow and you grow, there will be a tipping point for your base compute that from a cost-only perspective, it may make sense to pull that on the premises. However, you still might choose not to, depending on the nature of your business, if your business is very seasonal, if it needs very much, you know, a lot of flexibility within, you know, your compute needs, then you may never pull that back on premises because it wouldn't make sense. Even though it might cost you a little bit less, in the long run, it might cost you more because of having to build the church for Easter Sunday. But if you have a business that doesn't have significant spikes in it, and now you, you know, you started up and that you started in the cloud, but then, you know, four or five, six, ten years later, you're like, hey, you know, this is this cloud thing isn't is as cheap as I thought it was going to be. Now that I'm a mature business, you may you may want to consider that. And like I said, Dropbox and there's others. If you Google it, you can find a few other big companies that are saying, hey, you know what? The cloud's still good for these types of things, test, dev, data science, all that. But now now that I know I've got my core business and it's not going to be seasonal. I'm going to maybe pull that back on premises and I'm going to use, you know, use my funds more appropriately. So Mark, I really appreciated your guidance on on what the cloud is really good for. I mean, if there are any other takeaways, what would you tell companies that are thinking of moving data and analytics to the cloud? So there's a couple of things. One, like I said, I believe that there's always two sides of every coin. One, for those who are listening to this who are afraid of the cloud, whether it's security, right, or they're afraid of 
job loss or things like that. I want to don't be afraid of the cloud. Don't be afraid of the cloud. The cloud's not going anywhere. You know, you, you joked it early on, hey, this cloud thing might be here to stay. Duh, yes, it's not going anywhere. <laughs> and, you know, as an IT professional or any kind of professional, you you need to embrace it. Doesn't mean that you're throwing everything in there, but you need to embrace it and not be afraid of it. Um, and we have another po- podcast topic here. Um, just around security. Oh, I, let me write it down. Yes, I believe that uh, the cloud actually it can be easily more secure than on-premises. And so we'll talk about that at another podcast. So don't be afraid of the cloud first. And then lastly, on the other side of that coin, don't become such a cloud zealot that it really clouds your judgment uh-huh. in terms of making, <laughs> right? <laughs> pun, pun intended. Don't, let it, don't become such a cloud zealot that it clouds your judgment in terms of putting the right things in the right place. And sometimes that's actually a, a not just a hybrid on-premises cloud, but sometimes it's a multi-cloud. Sometimes it's, you know, um, a purpose-built cloud for this vendor, right? Um, and sometimes that vendor might be on AWS or Azure or who cares? It's as a service. But then maybe for your infrastructure cloud, you go with a different vendor, right? But you architect that and you look at... So my whole point is, don't focus so much on the cloud and become such a cloud zealot that everything has to go in there and come hell or high water, I'm shoving it in there uh, because you you will, not in all cases, but you will have a high degree of potential failure if you try to put things in the cloud that don't belong there. And we're all about success. We want Yes, we want our customers and we want you guys on uh, listen to this. We want you to be successful in your cloud moves. Mark, I want to ask so many questions, but they're all like additional episodes we'll have to do in the future. But thank you so much for talking about the cloud with me today. Thank you so much, Charles. Have a great day. This has been Datacast. Thanks for joining us. If you'd like the show, you can help us out by reviewing it in your podcast app of choice and by recommending it to friends. All they need to do is search for Teradata or Datacast in their favorite podcast app. To learn more about how Teradata transforms how businesses work and how people live through the power of data, visit us at teradata.com.